Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. word in the Greek is called Tamadine. And that, that means to be a disciple, uh, and it is a process. Everyone say process. And the process is called discipleship. And a disciple of Jesus does these things. It's there in your notes. They spend time with Jesus to become like Jesus so that they can do what Jesus did. So the key part of that is that we're making sure that we're spending time with Jesus so that we can become more like him to do what he did. You know, I've got some friends that are in the health care world, and some of them are first responders. And when they go out onto an incident or a scene, what they do is they're they're, they're trained and they're taught how to check for the airways. They're they're checking for all of these vital signs. And as a a pastor, we do the same thing. Sometimes we come up on an accident scene of a life or some poor choices. um, Or a person's just feeling very disconnected from, from God and from other people. And so what we'll do is we'll go in and we'll assess what is going on here spiritually. And oftentimes what we've discovered is, is that when one of these key spiritual disciplines isn't happening, it means that a person isn't optimized in their spiritual life. We call these disciplines. I know we don't like that word discipline because when we got in trouble as a kid, we got disciplined, we got sent to our room, right? Um, but these disciplines are really like habits, um, there are these practices that we do as Talmudine. Uh, importantly, it's there in your notes, but we're making sure that we're, we're spending time every day reading God's word. Now, a lot of us, we subscribe to a daily verse of the day. Um, and not only are we reading God's word, but then here's what's cool. It reads us. And we begin to see, God, what are you speaking to me? What are you sharing with me? And then we share it with others. And we do that through spiritual journaling. We've made spiritual journals available in the lobby. A lot of you have them. And there's some acronyms that we're using. We don't want in, like insider language, but what's been helpful with these journals is that we soap up every day. Hopefully you guys are showering daily. We all appreciate that. Um, and when you take a shower, uh, you soap up. And the acronym for soap is scripture, observation, application, and a prayer. And that you just kind of read the scripture, you make an observation, the application, how's the Holy Spirit telling you to respond to that? And then you pray. And the next one is going to be prayer. That is that spiritual discipline of prayer. Um, and prayer is one of those things that we do where we have a conversation with God. And it's a two-way street. We're not only talking to Him, but we're listening to Him. And He's talking to us. And there's, there's you know, a lot of different acronyms in prayer uh, you can use. But at the end of the day, just have a conversation with God. Sometimes your conversation with God is going to be good morning, God, instead of good God, it's morning, right? Whatever it is, you're just saying, you're just having this conversation in the car, on your way to work, on on a walk in the morning when you're there, you're just having a conversation. He is always there. He's like Wi-Fi. He's like the internet, always on, and God is always there and he's listening to you. And another spiritual discipline of a disciple, someone that's sold out for Jesus, that's a fully devoted follower, is they're making weekly worship a priority. And that's what you guys are all doing here. And we're so encouraged to see so many of you here during the summer months. So give yourselves a hand, everybody. You guys are here. You guys are here. (laughs) 
Some of you are literally only here for bagels today. I get that, right? Um, others of you are here for the air conditioning. But regardless, there are many of you that made a special effort to be here. And I just want to say God honors that. I want to remind you something. We are here not for us, but for Him. Amen? And we are here for Him and Him alone. And there's only a couple of times when God says, I need you to do this. And you will be blessed. And one of those is, is that you're going to keep the Sabbath holy. That you're going to, you're going to make the very first day of the week worship. And you're going to be giving that back to Him. And I want to remind you, even God in creation, what did He do on the seventh day? He what? He, he rested. And so for us not to rest is for us to get out of the spiritual rhythms of how God created us in His image. Now, another thing, we're going to go to the next slide, another discipline or a rhythm of a disciple is going to be, next slide, uh, is going to be that we're going to be serving intentionally. And by serving intentionally, that means that we're, what we're doing is, is we're looking for a need and we're meeting the need. And, and there are many of you here at Bethany that you, you do that. You've been doing that for years. This church would not have been built without you doing that. It would not be upkept without you doing that. But there are others that you're looking for those opportunities. And at our reception today, we're going to be talking about that. But for those of us, I just want to remind us that we never look more like Jesus than when we serve the way Jesus served. Amen? And Jesus said, I've not come to be served, but to what? Serve. And to give my life as a ransom for many. Another thing that we do as disciples of Jesus is we're reminded that all that we have is God's. And so Janice did a pretty good job here earlier of those million dollar checks. We do accept those, right? You know, but uh, at the end of the day, giving is not about just money. It's about the posture of everything that we have. Friends, we are here because God is so generous. He's given us so much. And when we give back to him the first of our time and our talents and our treasure, what we're doing is we're saying, this is God, I'm here for you. All that I have is yours. And you called me to be a steward. And the question is, is are we going to be a good and faithful steward? And we put him first in those areas of our life. We're, we're a better disciple of Jesus. And then last week, we looked at this whole idea on the next slide, is, is this whole idea of sharing your God story. And a God story is just kind of a, a kind of a, an easier way to use the kind of that phrase testimony. You know, that, the word testimony scares, scares people, right? It's like you're almost like you're in court and, the, and, and hey, we have defense testimony A over here. You know, it's like, ah. But the idea of sharing your story, your God story, of how you came into a loving, saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And the ability for you to share that in a way that is inviting and is honestly not weird and scary, okay? And that God story is something that I'm telling you what, when you're able to share how Jesus impacted your life, people are going to want to know what you had for breakfast. And you don't have to make it weird. You don't even have to use a bunch of fancy words. I remember some people ask, hey, who healed you? And, and, and the guy didn't even know Jesus' name. He's like, I don't know what his name is, but all I know is I was blind. And now what? I, I see. Now, the very last thing, and I'm sure there are many, many more, but our series is wrapping up, so we kind of had to wrap it up as well, is this whole idea of a stronghold. And this is a fill, fill in the blank on your notes. It's our final spiritual discipline. And it is the fact that we can have freedom over the strongholds in our life. If you would write that down, there's freedom from the strongholds in our life. 
Now, what's a stronghold? Definitions there on your notes are going to come up on the screen. It is a lie that we believe is true or a pattern of thinking that is not biblical. Now, a stronghold can be one of those pesky things for those of us that are followers of Jesus that for whatever reason we're having a hard time kicking. For sometimes, it's for some people, it's just they're, they're chronically afraid, fear. For some people, it's this inability to, to stop gossiping. For some people, it's being critical. Others, it's being greedy. For others, it's, 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 it's an addiction to being angry. Or it's an addiction to retail therapy, right? Spending a lot of money. It, 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 it's a stronghold of, of, of an addiction as well. It, it can be something that, that we love God. We want to live for Him. We want to be a Talmudine of Jesus. We want to do all of these things. But for whatever reason, there's that thing. And the Scripture says, like a dog returns to its vomit. We find ourselves being powerless to whatever this is. But friends, I need to share with you something. That in Jesus Christ, there is power to change. Amen? There's a scripture I want to share with you. comes to mind. And it's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. That therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone. And the new is here. And so this whole idea that, that there's freedom and that God wants to do something new. But church, listen closely to what I'm going to say. A lot of times we will say this and we will say amen. But when a person comes into our community or, or, or when a person isn't quite in line with whatever we have in our mind of what's right and wrong, we just don't know what to do with that. We get all uncomfortable. We start developing religious allergies. We start scratching. You know, um, I, I shared with you on my very first weekend here about two months ago that the church was never intended to be a... a uh, a hotel for holy people, but rather a hospital for the hurting. Amen. You know, I, a friend a friend posted this connection card from his church um, about uh, about how important it is that we create an environment where people that look nothing like God and want nothing to do with God would feel comfortable here. It's going to come up on the screen. Here it is. I think of the picture. Here it is. He wrote, "I'd rather attend a church with messed up people who love God than religious people who dislike messed up people." I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that one more time because I think some of you need to nod your head. I'd rather attend church with messed up people who love God than religious people who dislike messed up people. And so with that being said, I just need you to know that, friends, we are all broken and we're all in need of a Savior. Amen? And we're so thankful that God alone and God alone is the one that has rescued us and ransomed us and changed us from the outside, from the inside to the outside. A lot of times we like to we like to focus on the outside and clean all that up. You know what Jesus said? You guys are like whitewashed tombs. We don't want to be that. What we want to be is we want to be transformed because discipleship is what a process. So what I wanted to do this morning is I wanted just to give an example of how we can take this teaching series, we can take this idea of being a Talmudine of Jesus, this idea of our God story and freedom from strongholds, and I wanted to share a testimony. So with that being said, I'm going to invite my friend Brian to come up here on to the stage. Brian, make sure you grab that microphone over there because you're going to need that. Um, and while he's coming up here, I, I, want to, I want to give you the heads up. I want you guys to welcome him warmly to the stage. Would you guys welcome to the Bethany stage for the first time, my friend Brian Keegan. Hey, buddy. All right. All right, man. right over there. Right over there. 
Yeah, I'll make sure you turned on. I'll make sure you turn. All right, this is Brian. Everyone say, hey, Brian. See, yeah, they're, he's a nice guy. They're nice, they're nice people. Yeah, so make sure it works. Put it up there to your mouth. All right, all right, all right. I made sure that my stool was just a little bit higher than yours. I wanted you to know that. It's kind of a power. I'm not sure that's true. But uh, um, no, hey, with that being said, Brian, why don't you tell us about yourself real quick? Yeah, uh, my name is uh, Brian, Brian Tagan. I was uh, born and raised here uh, Fresno, California. Uh, raised by two amazing parents. Uh, my mom is retired, Fresno PD. My father's retired, Cal Fire. Um, I graduated from Clovis Schools. I went to Buchanan High School. Um, eventually went to Cal- California State University, Fresno, where I got my bachelor's degree. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of my background. Well, we're at church, so did you grow up uh, going to church? I did not. I was unchurched. I grew up... Um, with little to no relationship with God, no scripture, no prayer. And that was all my doing. It wasn't my parents at all. It was me. Um, it was kind of like uh, living uh, Brian's way, not God's way. And so it's safe to say that you made plenty of uh, poor choices? Yes. Yes. That led to uh, plenty of bad choices. Um, so we'll, we'll skip those bad choices to about 18 months ago. Yes. And 18 months ago, something pretty significant happened for you. Yes. Uh, 18 months ago, I decided to get sober. I decided to uh, make changes in my life. I was broken. I was uh, completely broken. Um, I think it's unique to say, where, where did you go? Was there a location that you went? Yes. Uh, broken in spirit, poor in spirit. I, uh, I found myself right here, right in the backyard, right here next to the, um, the softball field, the Bethany Recovery Center. Uh, it was a Tuesday night. It was one of the first meetings I ever attended. And it was there that um, I met some people. Um, I met a, a gentleman by the name of Tony. met him in person. He kind of waved these magical keys in front of me which uh, opened the door to fellowship with uh, a lot of amazing people and uh, uh, ultimately led to the doors here at Bethany. So what was your catalyst for sobriety? Because I know a lot of times we have those things that happen um, and they're, they're significant events and, you know, take a deep breath. I mean, what was it, right? Yeah, so at the very, uh, at the very depth of my addiction, um, I was, uh, I was buried in shame and guilt. Um, it, it was, it was, it was a, a hole at, that I was in. And at that point, <clears throat> uh, we had found out that my wife was diagnosed with cancer. And as she was diagnosed with cancer, I, uh, you know, we, we, we knew chemotherapy was ahead of us. And... I was, uh, I was so broken, I was so buried in guilt and shame. Uh, nobody knew my struggles, nobody knew my secrets, uh, not my in-laws, not my, my, my kids, my parents, uh, nobody knew about it. And it, it was to the point there was so much pain and suffering that uh, there were times that I thought maybe I should, I should, uh, I should end it. So, um, but you didn't, and you began the process of recovery. And then something pretty significant happened uh, about three months into your sobriety, about 90 days in. Um, 
What happened? Um, something amazing happened. Well, prior to that, you know, I, I really want to emphasize just the how, you know, how I felt at that time. I felt unworthy. I didn't love myself. I hated myself. Um, and then, like I said, I made these changes. I got sober again. Uh, I was invited by my father-in-law and my wife. And we, we went with uh, Pastor Brett and Amy and a circle of amazing people. And we ended up in, we ended up in Israel. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of cool, right? So, so yeah. So through that process, I got to know Brian uh, differently, um, and uh, we got to travel to Israel. Which, by the way, Bethany, we're going to travel to Israel uh, together here. You, how many guys want to travel to Israel together? Wouldn't that be fun? All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I I, I love it because spouses are like, yeah, we're we're going, we're going, we're going. Um, but then something life changing happened. Uh, in Israel, and I actually think we have a picture to show it. So if you would, yeah, right yeah. there. So before I get to this part real quick, I, I gotta rewind just a touch. So in my early days of sobriety, I want, I'd like to uh, uh, bring up a verse from Romans uh, to five, seven, verse seven and eight. Um, Very rarely will someone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were all sinners, Christ died for us. And that was brought to me in my early days of sobriety. And a friend of mine um, had brought it up. And it kind of it kind of became a prayer for me. Um, I really recognized and identified with while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That I kind of identified with that. But I had a really hard time comprehending and understanding the top verse, you know, very rarely will someone die for a righteous person. And long story short, we're in Israel. We're in all these amazing places. We're at uh, Peter's Primacy, Megiddo, Galilee, amazing places. Uh, Sermon of the Mount. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, we're there. And at the at the baptism. Which was completely amazing. Before you know, we're in the uh, Jordan River. We're getting baptized, which was absolutely amazing. And uh, uh, I'd like to share real quick what happened next. You know, at the end of the day, we end up back on the buses and we're driving back to the hotels. Everyone's tired. Everyone's hungry. My wife was asleep. I was asleep, and I ended up waking up. And uh, I started to reflect on the baptism, how amazing it was, uh, how my father-in-law was part of it. And I started to think of the words that were said during the baptism. And then I started to think of, for some reason, Romans 5, verse 7, eight started popping up in my head. And I started to think about it. And it was probably like, remember earlier I said I, I didn't feel worthy? Um, I didn't love myself? I think it was at that point, um, it was at that point that I realized that... I too was worth dying for. That I too was worth saving. And it was that that's what that's that's God's way of, of of demonstrating his love for me. And while I was a sinner, that Christ died for me. And you know, thank you. And, you know, ultimately. That's where I found the freedom from the strongholds. You know, I was set free from that obsession, that obsession of obsession. Um, from pursuing sobriety to uh, 
following and seeking Jesus now, but ultimately knowing that that higher power is Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to fast forward and we're going to, we're going to get moving here a little bit. Okay. So, so we're fast forwarding now to two months ago. Uh, you and, and Kristen make your way, uh, here to Bethany. Uh, and, um, God gives you a vision, like kind of a crazy vision, right? Yes. Um, so Pastor Brent, I think, was just coming on here to Bethany. Um, we were approached by this amazing family, um, Jim and Lynn Horton. They are, they, they, they do this, uh, they have a project that is called the Zachary Horton Foundation. And what it is, is their son had overdosed from fentanyl. He went to Clovis North and he had passed away. And they started an organization, a nonprofit in, in his name. And that's the right there. And so they asked my wife and I, Chris and I, to kind of come up with an idea. Uh, in the previous years, they had a, a give back dinner out in Sanger. Well, it's, it's a little hot to be going outside eating chili beans. So we came up with this amazing idea. Uh, why not have a softball game, right? Right next to the recovery center right here in the backyard. So we decided to uh, have this really cool event. This gentleman over here named John, he kind of helped me put it all together. And what we did was we had a big recovery. Uh, yeah, that's a still the Lord's right there. We had an amazing softball event. And it was... Uh, I think you guys even planted a tree. If you guys yeah. can go to the slide of, of the tree... Um, and kind of this is right by the resource center. So when you guys head on out to the resource center, you're going to see that there's, there's, there's something new that was, there was, there was, there was something dying before and something alive. I just want to give props to our team of people here at Bethany that when they heard the vision to be able to do this, they just jumped on board. They embraced it. Uh, and it became an event where between 150 and 200 people showed up here on a Tuesday night, and um, as a re- as a reflection of that, it just began to to, to create an idea for for Brian uh, and then I. So what you didn't know is is over the course of the last two months, Brian and I have been meeting weekly. Yeah. And we have been every week with our with a series on on the Beatitudes. We've just been talking through it because he realized like, man, this could be really helpful. In the recovery world, with the, the relationships that, that that he has, and and so, and he's also begun a great process of helping to bridge the gap um, between kind of recovery and Bethany, because this is your church home. This is the church home. Yeah, and so what I wanted you to know, Bethany, is that when we're talking about our God story and we're talking about freedom from strongholds, this is an example. Um, of what God is doing and what God can do as he's going to continue to create a place um, for people um, to, to call it home and experience Jesus in some very real ways. I'm going to give you the last word. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up? I just want to say thank you so very much. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Let's give it up for Brian. Much love, buddy. Okay. Cut another this way. And yeah, Michael, why don't you go ahead and help, help me with these chairs? And by the way, this is Michael. Michael's a friend, and Michael's literally like, hey, if you ever need anything, if you need help with anything, I'm your guy. And I'm like, how are you with like moving like stools? And he's like, yeah, I, I can do that, boss. I'll put put me in the game. So uh, hey, while we're moving, uh, hey, man, that, that, that miraculously made its way away. So something cool happened um, a couple weeks ago. Um, a local Christian radio station, uh, Spirit Radio 88.9. 
uh, they contacted me and said, hey, we've heard that you're doing a teaching series for the Beatitudes. And so we recorded some of those. And I wanted you to know beginning tomorrow, all week long, we're going to be doing a recap of our teaching series um, eight times a day on Spirit 88.9. So if you want to watch, uh, listen to, to Christian Radio, uh, you'll get to hear my annoying voice uh, even more uh, Monday through Friday this next week if you're listening to Christian Radio. Uh, and if you are, uh, and who knows, maybe some people are going to come next week and for the very first time. Um, with that being said, we're going to continue to move into uh, this idea of what it means to be persecuted for righteousness sake. So on your notes, there's some fill in the blanks. I'm going to have you write them in as I read them up on the screen. Here is our beatitude, our final beatitude coming from Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 to 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Everyone say persecuted. Because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you, uh, persecute. Everyone say persecute. persecute. And falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted, everyone say persecuted, the prophets who were before you. And so we're talking about this idea of what happens when we are persecuted for the cause of Christ. I got bad news and I got good news. You want the bad news or the good news first? Bad news first. You're going to get persecuted. That's the bad news. Uh, how many want some good news? Yeah, right. So the good news is, is that you're going to get persecuted because you are reflecting Christ. So these weeks are all building up to the fact that if you'll live this way, people are not going to like it. And, in, and you might not feel liked as well. And so I've got four observations that I want to make about persecution. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, it's reality. Write down the word reality. Reality TV is not reality TV, by the way. It's a false sense of reality. It's filtered and there's all kinds of weird things. People say, oh, just watch reality TV. I, have you, I'm not sure when it was, but reality TV is fake. But here's the reality check. The reality check is this. And here's the big idea. You can go back to sleep once you once you uh, put a little check mark next to this on your notes. When you live for Christ, you will be persecuted. That's reality. The reality is that Jesus says as much that you will be persecuted. Persecuted? There's a persecuted church. 200 million people living worldwide that are that are going to be persecuted physically, potentially killed and martyred for their faith. Another 200 million around the world who are going to be harassed for their faith. They're going to be made socially to feel um, uh, like, like, uh, like, a, like having to meet in a secret church. But friends, you can live in Fresno and Clovis and you can experience persecution. This is what scripture says. Jesus um, said you're going to be persecuted. The apostle Paul says in verse 12, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, you might not be martyred, but you could be marginalized. You might not be beaten, but what you might be is you might be made to feel like your character is being beat up. When you live this way, the Jesus way, people in your life won't understand. They're not going to like it. They may disagree with you. They may make you feel um, awkward. They may remove themselves from you. It might be family. It could be friends. It could be a colleague. But here's the reality check. When you live the Beatitudes life, you will experience persecution. And, uh, and, and as somebody said, if we're not experiencing persecution for our faith, would there be enough evidence to prove us as disciples? 
And if not, we have to ask ourselves, why not? And what can I do about it? Number two, if you're taking notes, they build on each other. The reason, the reason why we experience persecution is because we're different. They're going to hate you because you're not fitting in. You're, you're falling outside of the lines of whatever is deemed and viewed to be socially correct. Jesus said these words in John chapter 15, verse 18. Here it is. If the world hates you, keep in mind that what everyone, it what? It hated me first. So when you're hated by the world for being a Jesus follower, I got good news for you. That means that you're, you're like Jesus. Now I need to keep that, keep that up there real quick. I want to remind you that to be hated by the world, when Jesus says these words, that you'll be persecuted, you're being persecuted not for being obnoxious. You're being persecuted because of righteousness. When we're persecuted, we're, we're, we're being persecuted uh, not, not because um, we're, we're being foolish and we're making foolish decisions that are potentially sinful, but rather we're being persecuted for following the righteousness of God. So we should experience some pushback. And when we re- experience pushback, how we choose to respond is going to be mission critical. The world says if you get punched, you punch back. But Jesus says what? I need you to what? Turn the other cheek. When, when, when uh, in the world, when we find someone says that you're my enemy, our enemies are, are hostile people. But Jesus says we're to what? Love our enemies. And so the reality check is that we're going to experience persecution. And why is it? Because we're different. And when you're different, people don't like different. Number three, if you would, write this down. And this is the choice that you have to make. It's this. It's the reaction. It's, it's the one thing that we have the power to control. It's going to be our choice. And the choice is how I'm going to respond. Here is the important choice. It's to rejoice when you suffer for Jesus. And some of you are thinking to yourself, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You want me to rejoice when I experience suffering for being obedient to Jesus? Absolutely I do. And here's why. It's because in the New Testament, the scripture says that you will suffer for being a follower of Jesus. First Peter chapter 4, verse 16 says, If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. You see, the one thing that we can control in life is how we choose to respond. And so if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, and if you're going to live the way of Jesus, you need to anticipate persecution. You need to understand it's nothing personal because it's totally personal. That it's all about when you follow Jesus, you're going to experience it. And your choice at that moment is going to be how I respond. And so there's this crazy idea that we're to rejoice. Everyone say rejoice. We're to rejoice. We're to be excited. We're to be thrilled. We're to be happy. We're supposed to applaud, jump up and down. Uh, about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, there was a, a famous soccer player made his way to America. Messi. You guys see that, by the way? So Messi is now, he's playing in Miami. And I mean, they went from being in the bottom of the league. Nobody wanted to go to their games to packing out the stadium. And Messi came in and he's scoring goals and everyone's thrilled about this. And when he's scoring goals, what's everyone doing? They're what? They're, they're, they're rejoicing. They're clapping. 
They're, 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 they're celebrating the fact that they're winning again and people are buying tickets and everyone's excited. Well, my point is, is that that kind of rejoicing is what comes from when we're being persecuted. Let me go back to our beatitude before I share with you the last idea. In verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you. They say all kinds of false stuff about you, evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. And so here it is. Why is it possible that we would rejoice and be glad when we experience persecution? And it's the fourth reason. If you would write it down, it's because of this. It's the reward. Everyone say reward. It is the reward that the reward is heaven. You see, during the Beatitudes, Jesus is making these countercultural statements. He's saying, when you will live this way, you will be rewarded. But a lot of times we think that our reward is that we're going to win the $1 billion super lotto. That we're going to somehow strike it rich. That, that we're going to find prestige and power that, that, that everything's going to be great and everything's going to work out the way we wanted it to. And we're never going to experience addiction or cancer. That, that we're always going to be blessed. But here's what I'm saying. Jesus is the blessing. The kingdom of God is what? The blessing. And so the hope that we have, friends, is not of this world. But rather, our hope is where? Heaven. Our hope is is heaven forever. Great is your reward in heaven, it says. Why? Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, as I'm getting ready to wrap up here. Listen to what Paul says. He says something very interesting. He says, but our citizenship is where, everyone? In heaven. We eagerly await the Savior from there, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our bodies so that we will be like His glorious body. Friends, I need you to know that as followers, as Talmudin of Jesus, our hope is in heaven. We're going to experience persecution here on earth. When we live the way of Jesus, we should anticipate persecution. Why? It means that you're doing it right. And it means that Christ is with you. And this, 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 this blessing that comes from heaven, friends, I need you to know that you're going to get a new body. It means that there's no cancer, there's no death, there's no dying. By the way, there's also no debt, there's no mortgages. Amen to that, right? That means you got a place for you in heaven one day. And it's all because nothing that you do, but what Christ has done. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. That is the hope of heaven that we have. So as I prepare to close, as our band makes their way up here onto the stage for our final song, what I wanted to do is I wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page with some next steps. See, our hope without Jesus is separation from God forever. But because of what Christ did for us on the cross we have been made right with God. We have been made citizens of heaven forever. So what are your next steps? Number one, you need to make sure that you repent and follow Jesus. Repenting simply means that you were living for yourself and then you turned and you start living for God. Repenting is acknowledging that you're not a mistaker, but that you're a sinner. 
and that God is loving and that he wants to save you. And he does that. And here's a cool scripture that reminds you, and I've shared this three times during this series, Acts. Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. And that times of refreshing, everyone say times of refreshing, and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You know, the refreshing that we're talking about is going to be eternity. When you're with a loving God forever and ever and ever. And friends, that is good news. Number two, the second thing that we do is out of obedience, we're baptized. We're baptized, um, publicly identifying as believers through baptism. The scriptures say clearly that they believed and then they were what church? Baptized. And so next Sunday is going to be that opportunity that if you have never as an adult gone public through baptism, I encourage you to do it. And then finally, number three is this, is that you would commit to the process of being a disciple. That's what the whole two months has been about is how can we become fully devoted followers of Jesus and that we would do that. One of my favorite verses is the great commission of Jesus that I want you to go into all nations. I want you to make disciples and I want you to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I want you to teach them to be obedient to everything that I've taught and surely I will be with you always. Friends, that's our goal. That's what it's all about. It's by making disciples of Jesus. Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray for you and we're going to finish in a final song. So Lord God, as we wrap up this series, as we step into a new season as a faith community, we love you. We're thankful for stories like Brian's, God, where, where he's a reminder that, that when there are those things in our life, that it is the power of God through Jesus Christ that can change everything. And so, Lord God, I pray for those maybe listening online, those that are here today, that if they've never surrendered their life to you, Jesus, that they would do so right here and right now. That they would, that they would embrace the blessing, the eternal heavenly reward. And that is, causes us to live different. I pray for those who need to, out of obedience, go public through baptism, that they would do that as well, God. That, God, we'd be reminded, though, as disciples, and as this last song will show, that we are not guaranteed that life is going to be easy, God. Actually, quite the opposite. That by saying yes to you might mean persecution, might mean opposition. But in the midst of the fire, God, we're so thankful that you're turning us more and more into your likeness. And we love you for that. So, Holy Spirit, come now. Fill our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Would this song be our response to your goodness, God, and our need for you? It's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that I pray these things. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.